Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again. It's Progressive News Network's PNN. We have a special show tonight. Our good and dear friend, the senior producer and host, Janine Moloff, is uh, on the mend right now, recouping her energy and getting ready to do that fantastic work that she does. She has a whole presentation on the Rick Scott plan, uh, where he's going to be basically gutting Social Security. He's going to be, uh, he's proposing essentially that um, every few years we just renew it or not. And uh, he's basically putting it into that guarantee. But she'll go into that in greater depth. Uh, I do have a, a substitute show for you tonight. I've got some wonderful guests. Uh, Mr. Frank Day, who's a progressive Democratic activist up in Northwest Florida, uh, he's going to be talking. Uh, I also have a wonderful guest, uh, a, a woman who's been with us several times before. She's Professor Wendy Lynn Lee of Bloomberg University up in uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, just an extraordinary, extraordinary person. And she's going to be talking about Uh, Her reaction, she's done an extensive study on the impact of right wing uh, on the uh, college campuses. She's going to be talking about the January 6th committee and the results uh, that we're looking at right now with that. So it's going to be a very interesting show for you. Let me play this old promo, give you an idea of the old spirit of the place. I want to invite you to tune in to PNN, the Progressive News Network. It's live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Western Time. The voices of activists, scientists, and artists, produced by Rick Spizak, co-hosted by senior producer Brooke Hines, and also featuring Janine Maloff, Justice Correspondent. As you know now, Janine Maloff, senior producer, executive producer, and host has been producing this show just marvelously the last two years. She has been doing just a fabulous, fabulous job on social justice issues, electoral issues, uh, environmental issues, really an across the board, just incredible, incredible producer and host. Uh, I want you to give her a nice round of applause uh, and uh, you can get to her through the through the show. Please don't hesitate to speak up. She's doing just a great, great job. Okay, I'm going to bring you some of the information that I've discovered about this uh, plan of Scott's. Now, let's keep in mind, this is a man who pled no, uh, pled the fifth 75 times when his firm was brought to court for ripping off um, Medicare. Okay, so this guy pled the fifth 75 times so that you didn't have to self-incriminate for the ripoff he did on Social Security, excuse me, Medicare, and now this guy's got a plan. Let me read you some of the highlights of this plan. I think you'll be as shocked as I am by this whole situation. So hold on one sec. Okay, here we go. 
All right. So part of his plan to downsize the federal government, Republican Rick Scott says he wants all federal legislation to sunset in five years. So if a law is worth keeping, he says, Congress can pass it again. Well, Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid were all created by legislation. And now Democrats are saying that Republicans want to end those programs. Well, terminate it, and then maybe we'll uh, restart it. That's not the same thing as a permanent plan. So here we go. Here we go. This is his um, 11-point plan, if you will, to to rescue America. And uh, you can judge it what you want. Here we go. Americans deserve to know what we will do when given the chance to govern, says Rick Scott. And uh, here's his 11 points. Number one, kids will say the pledge and salute the flag, learn that America is a great country, and choose the school that best fits them. Well, there's no problem with with, uh, quoting a speech and reciting it, but that doesn't really help education, does it? Government will never ask Americans to disclose their race, ethnicity, or skin color on any government forms. Well, of course, the purpose of that is that for years, there's been discrimination. The soft on crime days of coddling criminal behavior will end, and we will refund and respect the police because they, not the criminals, are the good guys. Well, of course. But that being said, that doesn't mean that anything done by a policeman is legal. Their laws are for everyone. Uh, we, number six, we'll eliminate all federal programs that can be done locally and enact term limits for federal bureaucrats in Congress. Well, let's, let's be clear. The, uh, the states that have been receiving, that on the receiving end of tax benefits, that's been the red state. So this is all really completely beside the point. But that's the first taste of this adventure. Let me go on. And uh, I'm going to bring you my interview with the uh, professor, Wendy Lynn Lee, philosophy professor at Bloomsburg University, part of the Pennsylvania school system. Joe, let me bring you this really interesting presentation here. Interview just conducted with Professor Wendy Lynn Lee. Let's talk politics. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome my guest, Professor Wendy Lynn Lee of Bloomberg University. Um, Now now Commonwealth University of Pennsylvania, because we are integrated with two other schools, sadly. Can't win for losing. Can't win. But that's okay. Luckily, I have an educated person in front of me who can correct me in these matters. (laughs) Well, Professor. You're a philosopher, professor, and you have several other related areas of study. Uh, You have paid quite a bit of attention to, should we say, the insurrectionist and their ilk. Uh, I wanted to ask you some questions. I, I I, I imagine you had a chance to at least view some of the hearings. Yes, often off and on um, because they occur during the day when I'm in class, but and then I would watch the news later, of course. Yeah, um, I was wondering. Uh, let's let's start off on a real positive note. 
do you think there's a chance that the Justice Department is going to move eventually soon to, to bring some, some of these charges that have been surfaced uh, against these miscreants, against from the plotters? Well, we see the foot soldiers facing some kind of justice, but I'm wondering, do you feel confident that the organizers are going to face some, some consequences? I think some of them, yes. Um, I think it's hard to know who. I think I think some of the Oath Keepers, even at the organizational level, and the Proud Boys, um, and some of those folks have already faced indictment. So yes, and it and I was heartened to see that among I, it was either the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys, that there have been some organizers against whom charges have been brought who were not on the scene that day, but were, it was so clear that they uh, were the architects and long in advance of the insurrection. So I'm somewhat heartened to see that that is the case because it says, it tells us that the Justice Department doesn't necessarily have to have people on site that day to bring charges. And I think that's a very important legal, um, it's important legally um, because it means that they're willing to reach beyond that original day. So I'm somewhat heartened, we, we shall see, but I'm somewhat heartened by that. Well, you know, I just watched um, All the President's Men. And one of the things that I, I, I kind of felt there was an interesting resonance where on the one hand, these guys were trying to contend that they were alone. They were acting on their own. This was just a band of two-bit burglars. But then, of course, the question was raised, but you have a walkie-talkie, and somehow there's attorneys showing up. And it reminded me that there is enough footage of the advanced planning. Yeah, of Stone yeah. and Bannon and talking about fuck the vote and it doesn't matter. Oh, and I think the evidence is massive. I think it. I think it would be stunning if they didn't bring charges. I just, I'm just cynical enough at this point and jaded enough at this point that I'm sort of a. I'll believe it when I see it, but it's not because there's not enough evidence. There's plenty of evidence. Yeah, I, I think. You know, God bless stupid criminals that they would pay someone to videotape. Stupid and arrogant. The planning. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of that. Yeah, and just the the arrogance of that, um, the self-absorption involved in in that. I, you know, Roger Stone. <laughs> he's just a piece of work. I'm Bannon, right? I mean, he's, they're just, they're, you know, they're they're. Piece of work is the language that seems appropriate to these guys, that they, that they think that they are this untouchable. And, of course, they could be taught that they are that untouchable if they do not face charges. So, you know, they've, they've got to. I just don't know if they will. Yeah, you know, it seems to me, you know, the defense of Garland is he's an institutionalist. And no one's ever charged a president with insurrection because we haven't had an insurrection as president. 
How hard is that? All that completely irrelevant. I, I, you know, I don't care if it's never happened before. I, I just, I find that just kind of excuse mongering. I care about whether the evidence supports the charges. It's clear that they do. It's just, I don't know how much plainer it could be. So it's just a matter of will at this point. You know, one of the things that troubles me even more, even more than the insurrection, even more than the out in the open planning for an insurrection, is what seems absolutely clear that what we have been calling the Secret Service is yeah. completely off the reservation, 100%. No, some what we may learn going forward, and I suspect in, you know, increments as historians dig into it, and maybe it's going to be a while, is a secret service that, that it, how do I want to put it, that's just sort of riddled with, uh, with these really far-right Trumpy, maybe even pre-Trump, loyalists um, and ideologues um, who are who, who utilize this utilitarian right the ends justify the means sort of reasoning to justify just horrific acts against the country in the interest of protecting a president who is not a president anymore right who's not who's, who's going to be out of office and whose aspirations are plainly, plainly authoritarian. So, yeah, I, I find that just deeply disturbing. And, and I don't know what's going to correct it. That's the worst part for me, yeah, honestly. Yeah, it's yeah. like, how, how is that going to be corrected going forward, right? How, how is that going to be rooted out? It seems no great leap of, of imagination that when Pence refused to get in that car, that he knew that these people were not law and order types. Yeah, they were yeah. they were part and parcel of this insurrectionist, and whether they were going to deliver him to the hands of the mob, yeah, or they were going to secrete him to some different location so that he couldn't participate yeah. in the sanctioning or the you know the formality of the election. Yeah. Um, it, it is astounding. They me. weren't taking them out for cupcakes. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I thought that the subtext, they showed footage, and I, I don't know if you caught it or not. They showed footage of Nancy yeah. and Schumer uh, dealing with it, yeah. working diligently to try to rescue not only the other Congress people, but democracy. And on their flip phones, like the, just their avenues of communication were abysmal. And I just I, I watched that footage and I'm like, oh my god, how are we even running a country? Like how do we? <laughs> they look at what they're stuck with here, like trying to save the the, the ratification of an election. I just thought that footage was amazing and just and just distressing. Um, and they well, were trying so hard. I, I I have long respected Nancy Pelosi. 
she is certainly a hero, but oh my God, on that day, as far as I'm concerned, she saved people's lives. Absolutely. No question about it. You know, another thing that I think is important to mention, I was looking at this with one eye through what I'm going to call my Snowden perspective of data and data security and yeah. message security. Mm-hmm. Because if we take it as a given that these were known entities, we know now certainly and for sure that they had all of this intelligence at the front end. They knew that what was coming. For months. And if, if what they do to progressives and humanists and environmentalists is any sign, they've known this for months and months and months. So admitting that they knew and looked the other way, or, or worse, knew and actively participated. Um, I think it's very telling that they scrammed their communications oh, yeah. brazenly, yeah. brazenly. Yeah. And I'm very resistant generally to conspiracy theories, like highly resistant. And and even here, I still, I still want, I really want to see all the evidence, but it just seems so unlikely that that you know they were just getting new cell phones <laughs> that you know that it was just time for a trade i just find all that so and it's just such a bad lie it's just such a hackneyed lie yeah the, the uh, guy know, at the apple it, store it man you didn't it's know it's a reason that that this that this was not them trying to cover their patooties um in order to not not be caught with respect to what they had done and now they are caught. And now, and little by little, we're going to find out just how much and just exactly what they were doing in, in detail, I think. How, how'd you like to be an honest security guy on Joe Biden's detail right now? Yeah. 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 I mean, and like, God help us if the Republicans are reelected, right? And this version of the Secret Service becomes re-emboldened, re-empowered, bolstered in their um, subversion of democracy in line with um, elected Republicans um, uh, 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 who, who are election deniers. Like, you know, like, God help us, uh, you know, after November 8th, if they come back into power. When, when you think about the fact that they, their model was tested and worked, that they have shown there is a path toward completely capturing the vote, uh, that, that by electing these right-wing election deniers who will take over a state election system and either turn it off or rule from a legislative point of view, um, to say that our democracy such as it is, a representative democracy, is in danger is just such an understatement. Yeah, that it, it's not. It's one thing that the it's it's one thing to say that our democratic institutions are threatened, but it's still another thing to speculate what it is that could be coming that would replace them. Particularly if you're a woman and or black and or brown and or 
an environmentalist and or you know politically out of favor um you know i i just it's just actually i've never lived in that kind of country i have a hard time fathoming what what that could be like but you know in that world i am livestock at chattel um, not to mention that you're a thinking person in an educational system that is actively dis- to be discouraged. And in, a, and in an educational system in Pennsylvania, the state system of higher ed, that wittingly, unwittingly, ignorantly is just kind of sliding along, trying to appease the Republicans in our own state house. Um, and actively helping them gut higher ed, you know, even before, say, uh, you know, a Mastriani is elected. And and I think he won't be. I think it I think it will still be the Democrat who's elected governor here in Pennsylvania. But, you know, it'll still be a Republican legislature that's busy destroying education at every level. Um, you know, I live in a state that's riddled with book burners. The state that I'm living in now, they actually removed the minimum age requirement for marriage. I saw that. Yeah. Ick, 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 ick. Okay, I guess that's one way of solving sexual attacks, to legalize them. You know. Well, you know, the uh, the Internet, the far-right Internet troll, Matt Walsh, um, was trending on Twitter the other day because he said, well, I, I'm just paraphrasing, but he said something on the order of, you know, adolescence is a made-up thing, right? Back in the day, 13-year-old girls, well, they could be mothers. What a great thing to return to. <laughs> I just, is this the, is this the world that People are going to have daughters in. I, I like, don't have kids. So. It, it is stunning and uh, so sobering. I, I'm actually of a mind that I think it would be just close to a miracle to have an actual election. I am so concerned about people who've been put in place, about election deniers being elected to offices across the country. Um, yeah. And, and whether there is a constitutional convention after that or Katie bar the door, um, you know. No, I, uh, we're in trouble as a country. We've been in trouble as a country for a long time. Um, and yet we just don't seem to be able to take it seriously enough to act decisively at the, in the voting booth. I work as a poll worker and and, and sometimes as a legal observer. Um, And this year, for the first time, I'm also just going to take Mace with me. Because I live in rural Pennsylvania, right? And, you know, all my neighbors have Dr. Oz and Mastriani signs, right? Even though I have Shapiro Fetterman signs right in the front of my house. Um, but, you know, it's just all just feels like a tinderbox to me right now. Yeah. I, I um, After the uh, Supreme Court handed George Bush uh, the presidency, 
I determined that the following following election I would I would be a poll worker, mm-hmm. and uh, the area that we lived in was a rural, largely uh, mixed community. I would say probably 60% Mexican, 20% black, 20% uh, white, and um, clearly democratically leaning. They never even sent people to collect the votes from our poll. The mayor knew I was attentive to these matters, and he called me saying that he got a phone call at midnight because he was frantically calling the county election department saying, you haven't picked up our votes, you haven't picked up our votes, you haven't picked up our votes, when are you coming to pick up our votes? And they said, um... Listen, don't worry. Uh, we're going to send someone down there. They'll be there around midnight. Can you meet them at the polling center at midnight? And don't be surprised. They won't have an official car. It'll just be some guys. And he said, okay. And he stayed from midnight, or from like 1130 to 1.30. Nobody ever showed up. Yeah. Well, and that was, that was that was Arizona. Right. Who interviewed yesterday? Right. You know, are are you going? If you if you don't win, are you going to you know respect the results of the election? Right. And she just reiterates about how she's going to win, and so there won't be any issue. Right. She she dodges it. Right. But she just waved at election denier. Um, um, and yet, photogenic and a good communicator, and I think she could actually win. Yeah. I think Oz could win um, it, in virtue of the the ableist battering of John Fetterman and the willingness, especially, you know, out here in the rural counties, to believe that an auditory disability is a cognitive disability since his stroke. Um, my newspaper, um, the Press Enterprise, is just filled with this bile about, you know, John Fetterman's stroke and what that's, you know, done to his brain because people are just willing to be willfully ignorant about the difference between an auditory deficit and a cognitive deficit. Um, There's no reason to believe that he suffers any cognitive deficit. Um, That he has an auditory deficit clearly should not bar him from office the way politics are played out here. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, as you prepare uh, your students uh, to face that world out there, um, do you have some flexibility to discuss philosophies of government, uh, uh, the impact of some of these cross-currents in our culture today, or do you have a strict curriculum that you have to address step, 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 you have some flexibility still? So neither of those are, are, are really the case. I have I, I still exercise complete control over my courses. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't I I would not do it any other way. I, I would retire. I I will not I will not suffer that. Um, on the other hand, that answering that question really depends on the class. Right. So, right. It depends on what is appropriate to a class. So in medical ethics, right, we do a whole section on abortion um, and you can't you can't adequately present those questions 
without also presenting the social, political, legal, right? You can't talk about abortion without talking about Roe versus Wade and, and 50 years and then the end of Roe versus Wade, otherwise would be a distortion. So yes, within the context of, of what is appropriate to a particular discussion, right, in any given class. Let me pursue that just a moment more. Um, in in Pennsylvania, you know, of course, now it's, quote, back to the states, quote. Um, is is Pennsylvania, <laughs> as long as it's convenient, uh, it's, is Pennsylvania seeking to criminalize doctors? Are they seeking to track menstrual periods? So if the Republican candidate, right, if, if Mastriani wins, um, he has vociferously argued that he would like to see a constitutional ban in the Pennsylvania state constitution ban on abortion. This is a guy who would criminalize doctors who wants to see abortion tried as homicide, right? This is a guy who dresses up in Confederate soldier outfits, right? This is a guy who proudly declares himself to be a white nationalist. I'm going to call that a Nazi, and I don't mean that in any sort of wow. hyperbolic sort of way. I just think that's accurately descriptive. Um, yeah, this is a guy who I, so far as I can see, would allow, would force a rape 10-year-old to die of the pregnancy, right, and force her to carry to term, you know, a kid raped by her dad. <laughs> right, and, and if she doesn't die, would jail her if she tried to abort herself, even if she was hemorrhaging to death. So he's that guy. That that's what we're facing. Guy is elected because you know, we have a Republican legislature, right? So he'd get what he wanted. I'm I'm puzzled because I know uh, that people sometimes need what can be wildly generalized to be an uh, abort efficient when they they have endometriosis and, and certain other conditions that require should we say, a medicinal treatment that could be construed that way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm puzzled why that case. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, we're, we could, should he be elected, we could readily become Louisiana, Indiana, Texas, um, where a woman has to be on the brink of death before she is permitted to have to abort a dead fetus that is rotting in her body and while she's waiting for that can you even fathom the psychological trauma right she may never be able to have children again right that psychological trauma is going to be with her as ptsd for the rest of her life Right. What about a woman, say, my age, right, who doesn't think she could get pregnant, but then does, right, for whom it just might not be safe in virtue of age? Am I now required to sacrifice my life for something I just did not think could, in fact, occur, but sometimes does? Yes, the answer to that question is the direction this country is going is yes, because women are livestock. Um, it, it, it's just, 
I can't, <laughs> like, I can't, I don't, I don't even have words for what, what I think we're doing to women and particularly poor women and particularly um, women of color who have less access to medical care. Right. Right. I'm among the lucky women. The, the idea of, of freedom of religion evidently only follows to one particular sect of one particular religion. Yeah, very people strange. who can afford to get to a blue state for an abortion or have a Herschel Walker to pay for it. I, I thought there was a quote from that uh, incredible footage shot of uh, Stone and those uh, right-wingers where he said, look, let's just get right to the violence. Well, <laughs> what more can you say? You know, I, not not a lot, not a lot. Uh, you know, I the thing I think that I sometimes find the most surprising about all of that are the people who pretend to be surprised because we exhaust we we exhausted that opportunity. A year ago, right? We 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 no longer are entitled to be surprised about any of this. Disgusted, maybe horrified, right? But no, we're no longer entitled to be surprised. This writing was on the wall years ago. Um, I I, I doing a little bit of prep for our our meeting. I, I came across a quote from Rhodes of uh, I think it's Oath Keepers who yeah. said that he called uh, Roger Stone uh, immediate, immediately after hearing the results and said, well, I've got this great idea. Let's just storm Congress. It was an idea, quote, suggested by a Serbian academic. Well, okay. Um, storming... It, it, then the article went on to say, and, and I, I don't know who, what editor would let this pass. The, the writer then editorialized saying, wow, that's really, that's really stunning. The, what a coincidence. You know, when they tell you what they think and you're not listening, that's not on them. And, yeah. Uh, and there's a kind of like fool me once kind of thing here, right? But. You know, at, at some point, we just are not, we're no longer entitled to be stupid. Well, Professor, I know your students are prepared to deal with this world. You have helped them, you've guided them, which is the role of an educator, to, to use their own minds, to understand their own hearts, and to look at the world with open eyes. Uh, I, I, I thank you for the work that you're doing. <laughs> We can only I, yeah, I mean, I try. I try every day. I try really hard. I, I, how successful I am, I guess, you know, I hope. <laughs> wow. Uh, any final thoughts you have? Uh, uh, you've been watching this, this right-wing thing for a long time. I'm sure you were, as you said, anybody's, you're no longer entitled to be surprised. Um, any final thoughts? Vote. Vote, vote straight ticket Democrat. Um, don't vote third party, right? We might love the Greens, but not, but, you know, right now, right now, man, we just got to save the Republic, right? That's, that's all we got to do, 
right? We, we, we can we can go Green Party later, but right now you just got to vote straight. You just got to vote straight Democratic ticket, even if you don't like the candidates that much. Like you just got to hold. You just got to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, well, thank you so very much, Professor. I, as always, I enjoy speaking to you. You you have such a clear, thoughtful, insightful mind. Uh, it, it's an honor thank to speak you. with you. Yep. You bet. Have a lovely evening. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that was Professor Wendy Lynn Lee, who uh, shared her insights into uh, the uh, adventures in congressional hearings we've been experiencing, and and she suggested that her best advice was to make sure you vote. Uh, I now have the great honor of bringing a longtime progressive activist from North Florida to your ears uh, on this uh, uh, tribute to Janine Moloff Day. Uh, Frank Day, welcome, sir. Well, thank you very much, Rick. Um, well, Frank, we haven't spoken in a little while. Uh, you have the, uh, the enviable position of being a progressive leader in Northwest Florida. Um, you know, there's been that uh, we just had most of hurricane season is behind us. Uh, we've got yep. the tumultuous uh, election system ahead of us. I was curious, you know, you speak to a lot of good people up there. Um, have you heard much reaction to the uh, to the congressional hearings on January 6th? I, I have to admit I am curious about that. Yes, um, there's lots of chatter and uh, friends that um, – that I associate with here in, in Northwest Florida that, that speak of that. And um, it, it's on everybody's mind, literally. It's what everybody seems to be, um, like myself, is anxious for the next shoe to drop. Um, is it yeah. going to result in anything meaningful? Um, will anybody be prosecuted? They presented, and um, some have gone to jail, but it's all the uh, – the, uh, um, I guess the soldiers, if you will, for their actions mm-hmm. to overthrow the government. Um, but so far, there's been none of the uh, members of Congress that clearly were involved in uh, in giving some of these insurrectionists tours in advance, so they knew where. So it was friendly ground when they got there. I say familiar ground when they got there. So none yeah. of those are being prosecuted yet, and that's the going uh, angst up here when when conversing about. Um, the uh, January 6th um, committee and its investigation is, has it been for naught? Yeah, let me ask you another question. Uh, one of the things that came up during the discussion with the professor was there's a bunch of really scary threads that haven't been pursued yet. And I'm going to tick off a couple of them. And I'd like you to tell me which one of these you find the most troublesome. Uh, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is the absolute ridiculous. Uh, oh well, the uh, the uh, upgrade uh, eight our tapes. Uh, the 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 Secret Service has no tapes specifically exactly during that two day period. Weird, you know, just just really weird. It is. Another one and, is and actually, yep, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. You finish your thought, my friend. 
No, right. No, I was just going to bring into that that there's been evidence that there were some in the FBI that were sympathetic as well. Not surprisingly, I mean, you can't just wash the slate clean from your predecessor's appointments and hires. Um, so it, it's not surprising that some within the FBI, perhaps, and likely the Secret Service as well, were sympathetic to the effort. Yeah, and, and speaking of sympathetic, you know, I mean, I think ever since Snowden, if not before, many of us have been aware, aware of the ubiquitous uh, listening, uh, tracking, uh, watching social media, etc., uh, you know, it, it's not actually a new thing at all for heavily armed right wing people to uh, to plan things like, you know, kidnapping governors and uh, armed uh, in, armed intrusions into legislative offices. Um, none of this is new. And, uh, you know, does anyone who thinks at all thinks that that they were per- unprepared, that they didn't know in advance? Uh, I mean. Of course they knew in advance. Look, uh, you may remember I, I uh, served as a uh, member of our local sheriff's office posse uh, a few years ago for a period of just over five years. And during that uh-huh. time, I was uh, privy to all of the um, internal communiques. And uh, there was a, uh, a communique that came across the wire. I say the wire is in the, the um, yeah. um, everybody everybody read this um, text or email thread within the app that the sheriff's office uh, disseminates orders and directives and, and news uh, flashes and things of that nature. But uh, one that was a study, a national study of law enforcement, and, um, and, and it was looking for a ranking of threats. And uh, the greatest threat at that time was not Osama bin Laden or his followers, but was white supremacists in America as the greatest threat to law enforcement at that time. So, yeah, they knew about this long ago they've been studying this uh, forever and and to a degree we want uh, our law enforcement particularly our secret service and and our fbi to be aware of this in the front end what we don't want them to be is partisan which is what it appears to happen uh, post post trump's uh, administration yeah yeah the non-participants yeah uh, right. You know, another thread that I, I think has been left strangely flopping in the wind is uh, all of those congressional staffers, whether in office or merely attendees, who gave those tours the day before and the day before that. Uh, the mm-hmm. tours that were given to the insurrectionists just before that. But, yeah, exactly. Marjorie None of that has been discussed. Been- Right. Marjorie Taylor Greene recently was questioned on that very thing. Of course, she denied any recollection of it, but they had her own video um, giving tours. <laughs> there were several. Yeah. Other several than, house, other house than that lying videotape that you've got me in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. A reminder, well, we uh, cue up the tape and then she'd suddenly remember. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and another, you know, another equally uh, significant, if not horrific, thread is that Grassley uh, announced days in advance that he'd be the one supervising that approval. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be in Pence's hands at all. Be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's, there's some loose threads. 
And, you know, sure. I, I, I opine, opined uh, to the professor. I said, you know, how'd you like to be an honest Secret Service guy right now in, in, the, uh, in the service of President Biden? You know, you got to be looking over your shoulder uh, every day uh, because every day. you you don't every know day. who's really uh, actually there for the Constitution and who's just uh, you know trying to lay some groundwork for the return of uh, the um, well, let's call them the unspeakables. You know, uh, so so well, I am curious. Right. You know, the, the, the federalists federalists that intend on taking it over. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'm curious, Frank. Um, Many years ago, probably now in the early 2010s, um, there was a big ACLU conference in Washington, D.C. that Scalia spoke to. Do you remember that by any chance? Did you you attend that? I didn't. I wasn't there. Uh, I wasn't aware, in fact, of that uh, meeting that Scalia spoke to. I, I was just curious and wondered if you'd heard that because... Um, he he gave a speech to <laughs> to national ACLU that was breathtaking, uh, and the point that he made, and, and 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 like one of those chill came across the room, you know, shadow across the graveyard kind of speeches. Yeah. He said he said uh, you know if we get a chance to get four more conservative judges. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a completely different country. You won't even recognize it. And, and they're close literally, right now. They're close. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the room, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about an auditorium with maybe 5,000 people in it. The room went dead quiet. Because we knew he was right. We knew that if they get themselves a conservative majority on that court, uh, not, not to mention the fact that that um, that last guy, uh, dear Trumpstein, he he uh, managed to get all those people on the court uh, with such a, a, an unconstitutional take on uh, on American government. So well, it, so we sort of took it took, ta- yeah, it took um, um, the uh, Speaker of the House or the Senate rather, President of the Senate to to uh, make that happen for him because the Senate had to. Uh, approve all of them. So Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell is just as guilty of that as Trump was. Well, you know, you you got to take some hope because this is the dumbest bunch of criminals. Thank God that uh, that we've seen try to take over government in a long time. You know, well, one of the things know, that I, go ahead. I, I I would almost swap the the word. Complacent, or, or I say, uh, uh, um, damn, there's a shark right here. I'm sitting on Great Beach. There's a shark 12 feet off the water, 20 feet off the bank. No, but, uh, any rate, uh, uh, any rate, um, oh, goodness, who was it I was trying to think of? Um, give a give a shark uh, an, an opportunity and they'll steal the show straight up. <laughs> but uh, what were we speaking of? I got totally distracted. We were just, that. we were just talking about um, Mitch McConnell. And uh, how he was a, a big part of that enabling of that uh, right, that group right, of injustices. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the point I was trying to make that I don't think that they were um, um, dumb at all. I just think they were that proud of the fact that they were that close and and just really didn't give a damn anybody knowing exactly what their game plan was and what they were doing. 
They were just that confident is the word I was trying yeah. to replace, well, that's, replace that's, dumb with confident. You're absolutely right. Um, I, I was thinking also in terms of uh, hiring a video crew to videotape your plans for an insurrection. Right. That takes that takes a special kind of bravado. Exactly. I mean, they've got yeah. They they hired a, a, a British film crew to come over and document it for them, and boy did he! <laughs> but he gave it to everybody uh, on the planet when he saw what they were doing. Huh. You know. Uh, the the other thing that uh, you know you you have to you have to appreciate I when I was watching that uh, insurrection in real time did you have a chance to watch it in real time Yes I did actually I did and um, the and thing that I was almost it yeah I was just dumb dumbfounded and and frozen in time just exactly like the nine eleven uh, attack where uh, I was at the Parks House in Florella Alabama a little small town. Uh, coast, or I say, uh, border town uh, to Florida, and um, he he asked, "Have you seen? We're under attack." TV and got my stepmom up, ninety-year-old um, stepmom, and we sat there for about four hours, just speechless, watching it. And that's exactly the, what I felt in this case. The thing that kept crossing my mind was, I thought we were so lucky. So very lucky that they didn't have any kind of real leadership there. Because well, if they yeah, had and, had – go ahead. Yeah, just had – what was it, five Proud Boys that came in with a military formation that looked anything right. like a military effort and, and with military tactics. But that's all they had. And uh, the rest of the people were just uh, Trump supporters that were just there for the party. And, and it, yeah. you know, it went. It's just just like any any uh, beer party where a fight breaks out up, up on the lake in South Alabama, where everybody piles yeah. on. Yeah, just for the fun but, of it. Um, yeah, come on up. It's I mean, going it, to be a real wild time. It's going to be real wild time. But um, you know, immediately <laughs> sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, this could be this could be the beginning of civil war. And and if you look back on history, civil war didn't start. But with one little skirmish, and um, and then the next one was planned and a little bit more sophisticated. Then they had the uh, the uh, uh, outbreak at uh, Fort Sumter, and that literally mm-hmm. kicked it off. So where's our ne- where's our Fort Sumter? That's well, I think there's some people place. still planning on it. Unfortunately, they are, they are. The same group are going back, reorganizing and and trying to get their. The thing is, they've got to have somebody come up to fund it. They've got to have a General Lee that steps out front to make this happen, and it ain't Trump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trump ain't going to be their General Lee. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when they were talking about the fact that he was trying to get there, he was trying to, to go, you know, can you picture – that mob that was assailing the con- Congress um, and, and Trump milling around in the middle of them. Uh, I mean, he, I think in his mind, he had some image that he was going to be standing there on the floor of the Senate and the House claiming it as his. But uh, mm-hmm. the, the distance between pulling up out front and getting through that mob, that would been uh, would have been a pretty weird situation, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, if he had been any kind of leader, 
to start with and really was behind this effort, he wouldn't have been sitting in the Oval Office with his with his daughter and his son-in-law and, and, and two a couple of his, his uh, aides sitting there watching the insurrection from the White House. He'd have been on the steps um, if he'd really had any yeah. uh, strength of character, or I say strength of character, strength of mind to carry through this effort. He's just trying to get somebody else to do his bidding like he had um, uh, given us uh, Mark Meadows for so long. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and just picking picking weak people like that to be leaders in his effort uh, was his downfall. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a, another uh, thing that, that troubles me is that uh, – it seems sadly very, very clear that Congress is not going to uh, discipline uh, all those insurrectionists that are still sitting in seats. Uh, and if that's the case, as it looks like, I, I can't imagine anything in uh, 2024 that's not going to be either we win or you lose. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're just not going to uh, settle for it. Um, hold on. I've, I think I've got one more guest who wants to join the conversation. I think it might be uh, a friend of the show. Hello, okay. is this Good Mr. Day. Newhoff? Uh, hello, Rick. This is uh, this is Rick Newhoff. Hi, Mr. Spizak. <laughs> Wonderful to see you. Uh, uh, Rick, do you know Frank Day from North Florida? It certainly does. Hi, Rick. Well, good, good. Good, good. You know, uh, Mr. Newhoff, you're you're uh, out in the Northwest these days, and I was wondering if you could give us the temperature of what you've been hearing from the uh, uh, the reaction people have been having to the January sixth hearings. Uh, the reaction really varies a lot depending who you're talking to, but the mm-hmm. interesting thing about bringing up when you bring up the topic of January 6th, you can tell immediately who you are talking to <laughs> and can identify uh, what what manner of speak to continue with after that point. Uh-huh. Um, because uh, this is such an important election cycle that it's it's really important to be respectful while you do not back away from any potential um, polite conversation. It's when things get crazy that you might want to spend your energies elsewhere because there's only so much any of us can overcome uh, on a call. Um, Having said that, it really seems to me that the most important thing we can do as progressives and those of us that are listening to your show that are just Democrats or even if there are some centrists on uh, on the show with us, that's terrific. Uh, but what is important to take away from, uh, from this show and from this election cycle is that no matter who you really, really want to win, this is not the primary. This is the general, and we must win to be able to continue past this election. It's going to be crazy enough 
the couple of months after the election separate from the actual voting. But if we want to be able to continue to have discourse, political discourse, opportunities to move things in a progressive way, this cycle, we have to all agree to disagree with some of the people that we are voting for, and we must vote Democrat down the ticket from the top to the bottom. Here in Portland, Oregon, there are a couple of people that I'm going to be voting for that I might not ordinarily. Those of you who know me know that I very often go down the ballot and pick Dems and other candidates that are worth our vote. But in this cycle, it is such a unusual landscape that what we need to do to be able to continue past November 8th is we have to vote Dem, whether you love the client, the client, the candidate, whether you love them, whether you like them, whether you disagree with them full out, I'm telling you we have to be pragmatic. I hate that word, but we have to be pragmatic about it. We have to realize, yes. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. When we come back, I need to do a break for one of our sponsors. But when I come back from the break, uh, I want to talk about um, how troubled you are about the Republican reaction to any loss in this next election. So hold that thought. Think about that. And I'll be right back after this brief word. Okay. Daughters of Isis is the ancestor of aromacology, indigenous scents representing the fragrant memories of our ancestors to provide us the tools of the inner quest, the authentic moment, and to heal the Earth Mother, daughtersofisis.com. Wholesale available also. Mention PNN and enjoy a free sample from our apothecary. For your aromatherapy needs, that's daughtersofisis.com. There we go. By the way, I want to remind everybody, this is our tribute to Janine Moloff show. Uh, she's a wonderful uh, woman who has led this show uh, since I've stepped aside. Uh, she's a great host, a tremendous reporter, covers both human rights, political issues, environmental issues, uh, and we we absolutely have our take our hats off to her and our earphones to uh, thank you, Janine, for all the good work that you do. Get some rest, feel better, and uh, hopefully you'll be back next week to to cover the Rick Scott issues in depth. Uh, but let me go back to these two wonderful gentlemen I have with me. Uh, Mr. Frank Dacer, let me ask you, yes, uh, when you talk to your friends and neighbors up there, uh, do you think that there's a lasting impact from the January 6th committee? As, as far as um, the way they vote, absolutely. Um, everybody I'm talking to is, is, um, is on the Democratic uh, side of, of the sure. table or saying straight up, just like Rick just suggested, you have to vote straight them ticket uh, right now because that's the only way we're going to have a chance to hold the House. I mean, just vote for vote for the letter beside the person's name and don't even look at who they are or what they voted on in the past. We just have to defeat every Republican because once any any Republican, whether he, he he's running now as a, a, a traditional traditionalist 
the old-time Republicans. Say if, if Matt Kinziger was on the, the ballot right now against uh, um, in, in place of Matt Gates against Rebecca Jones, I would I would vote for Rebecca Jones straight up, even if I was a if if I were a a a, a traditionalist Republican. Um, but uh, you just got to defeat them because anyone with the R by their name going in the House of Representatives or going into the Senate is they're going they're going to vote with the uh, the majority just as they always have, and uh, and they're going to they're going to give this country over to the Federalists that have been pushing it. Um, it's, a, it's a strange thing where you've got um, all these different factions within the Republican Party willingly at the same table um, for the purpose of winning. And, and you're seeing right now um, in, in Florida what happens when you get somebody like DeSantis um, uh, in, in a state house. If we get all of those kind of people back in the, in the federal, uh, in the in Congress, House and Senate, then uh, we're just not going to have a prayer um, we're gonna we're gonna be the second class citizen for sure, so we've got to we've got to vote straight damn ticket like Rick says. Uh, Frank, I'm gonna come back to you because I want to talk about Gates too, but let me go okay. back to Mr. Newhoff. Uh, Rick, let me ask you, buddy. Uh, the people that you're talking to, the Democrats you're talking to, probably uh, are, are they feeling good? Are they feeling that this was an effective hearing? Is the is there going to be staying power for the re- information that came from this? From what you're hearing, the the Dems that I talk to that have been watching are are you know depending how informed they were before watching, um, they are they're just blown away by it. And then you know the further right you go, that they believe it, the more they are or whether they actually believe that they don't believe it or they're just saying it is another thing. Um, but they you know. Uh, the thing that I am most concerned about with the January 6th hearings is what's going to be for the, for the next little time period after the election. The reaction of the Republicans varies from full-out denial to um, hatred that you're even bringing it up. The, if, 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 if stairs could kill the daggers that I've received from people <laughs> that I've had these conversations with. But, you know, when reality hits, one of two things is either going to happen or maybe a combination of the two. There are some that are going to want to go to war, and there are some that are going to creep into their hole. And the more that they realize that they really have lost and there really is nothing concrete on their side, the more that realize that, and that's a big thing for them to realize, but the more of them that realize that, the more that they're going to get quiet and hide and go back into hiding. And it's the others that want to bring violence because they're the bully that you didn't vote for in school election, little baby can't handle that they lost. Those are the people we have to worry about because chances are they are or may be armed. And the next couple, the next little time period after election is where we have to try to bring brotherhood, which is really difficult. But if there's a way to do that, if there's a way to turn their frown upside down and let them realize that they are not in danger from us, 
because we actually want to help make their lives better and protect them too. If we can open their eyes to that apparently simple reality, then we are going to do okay. And if we do stuff to increasingly poke and prod and remind them that they lost and they're so terrible and all, you know, then we're looking at civil war. So, well, you know, Rick, let me, let, let me weigh in with this thought. You know, I, as, as uh, happy as I am that there has been some, some uh, investigation of some of these matters, um, any hopes I have that they're all going to kiss and make up and, you know, happily understand that they lost and this has all been illegal. I, I am tempered by the fact that when I drive around the, the place I live, I still see Confederate flags. And I, I guess no one ever told them that they lost 100 years ago plus. So I, I, I'm afraid I can't be too optimistic that the current crop of losers is going to get the message. Uh, let me let me turn back to uh, to Frank. Frank, this battle sure. between I did, Gates I and Jones. I could just say one sure, super sure. quick ahead. thing. We're, we're certainly not going to get all of them. It's whatever percentage of them that we can get to recognize, and they'll spread the word or they'll just crawl back into their hole. Thank you. I hope so. I, I hope so. Yeah. Frank, let me ask you, that, that Gates-Jones yeah. race, um, how, how are you feeling about it? If you were going to, if you were a gambling man, what would you say? Well, I'd hedge my bet right now. It's it's a, a toss up, really. Uh, I watched really? their one and only one and only debate, and um, and Rebecca did extraordinarily extraordinarily good in that debate against Gates. Uh, literally, uh, Gates came in so confident. I don't even think he was prepared. To, uh, to debate anything that Rebecca came to the table with. Um, and so, I mean, he spent his time praising Ron DeSantis and what Ron DeSantis is going to do for Florida. And um, and, and, and and that's just his uh, confidence and cockiness to start with. But, but uh, he was there, but literally uh, Rebecca just, uh, it was a free-for-all on, on Rebecca's side. She she really hammered him, hammered him hard and then got on his, his Facebook page and uh, and professed to have whipped his ass, <laughs> which I think she did too. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you compare a scientist to a poser rich boy. Uh, you yeah, know, the exactly. chances of him pulling exactly. that, if, if all things being equal, if, if there's a, an honest vote, yeah, I think uh, she. I, I just hope she wins. It would be such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, let me turn to you, Mr. Nohoff. Uh, I'm sure there are some tough races up there in the Northwest uh, mm-hmm. where you've got uh, the ideologues on the one side and, and uh, Democrats or maybe even progressive Democrats against them. How are things looking up in the Northwest? Um, well, I'll use the governor's race here as a for example. Uh, there, there are three women running, so... Oregon is going to have a female governor no matter what. Uh, But the three women couldn't possibly be more different than one another. You have Tina Kotek, who is a progressive Democrat that you would all admire. Uh, And then you have 
a woman who used to be a Republican and then became a Democrat and then used to be a Democrat and is now running as an independent. But the stuff that, that she's putting out there, sorry, the stuff that, that, that she's putting out there is so off base and, and not, not as ridiculous as the Republican who's running, who's a full-out Trumper in a dress. But um, so that's, that's the landscape. There's a, there's a Trumper in a dress. There's a woman who's trying to have a foot in both camps and just sounds like a blithering idiot. And then you have a for real progressive Democrat. Um, the, uh, the woman who's got a, a foot in both camps is, was funded by uh, the owners of Nike Sneakers. Uh, really? who's, yeah, they're headquartered here. Um, and then when they realized that their candidate was only pulling about 20% of the vote, they started to back the Trump in address. Jeez. So yeah. buy Adidas. <laughs> don't, don't buy Nike. <laughs> you wear, you know, vote with vote with your pocketbook when you go shopping, um, and be aware of who Nike is. Um, and uh, that that's the landscape here, and trying to parse the difference between them. Um, really comes down to listening to the person that you're talking to at that moment, and they'll say what issues are most important to them, and then you know the correct way to respond. But same kind of, same kind of issues that are in Palm Beach County, same kind of issues that are in New York and, uh, and, and every place else where I talk to people. Uh, it's, oh, there's too many people living in tents. There's too much crime. Look how much my shopping basket costs. And so it's the same kind of conversations we're all having uh, because all politics really is local. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's great. That's... The, the next thing I wanted to ask is, um, you know, this, uh, this plan to uh, make uh, Social Security – uh, have to be re re-legislated every few years uh, on the guise of, uh, you know, fiscal responsibility and doing things locally. Uh, do, do, do you hear from anyone that that's a great idea? Wow, how good would it be to just, uh, just uh, re-up uh, Social Security and, and take it away from being an ongoing campaign? Is anybody hearing that Scott's idea is just the best thing since sliced bread? I, I believe that open to both of you. Think so. yep. Yep. Go ahead, Rick. I, I, no, I was I, just going to ask. I didn't hear a response. So I just threw out there the Republicans think it's great. Except the senior yeah, citizens, of course. Okay, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, and here uh, in rural Florida, um, that is a is a pretty significant uh, group of the uh, electorate, particularly in the north end. Um, all of our seniors uh, uh, live by their social security checks. So, granted, they're going to vote for the party that, uh, and they did in in, in uh, 2020 as well. Uh, I was in a restaurant in Dupiniac Springs, and um, uh, there was a Republican lady and her husband there at the community table who, who said clearly that. Uh, 
she she liked her Social Security and had to have it. So uh, she's going to be voting for her Social Security check. Uh, so uh, these, these folks thinking that if they're giving hints to, to the elderly down here that uh, that their Social Security check doesn't have that guarantee that it's always had since the 1930s when, they, when a lot of them started paying into it, then um, then these Republican leaders are going to wake up like Matt Gates is going to wake up and and uh, and find themselves looking for a job. Because uh, these these good old farm farm folks down here, uh, they got to have their social security, so they're not going to let anybody play with it. And then and that that that's going to cross the line. They'll vote for the party that supports social security. And then uh, of you course, know I... with, with the younger people, uh, it, you know, uh, row 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 the vote. Exactly. Exactly. We've got lots of issues right now that could pull us and should pull us across the line if we don't let up uh, hammering it out there and putting it out there in front of people. Um, I have I've, literally I'm not seeing any push by the Democratic Party across the board, um, uh, particularly in my area, because there's just no funding for candidates like Rebecca Jones. We need to get everybody to donate that can uh, at least send her ten dollars so that she can get at least uh, mailers in the mailboxes up here uh, touting her support for Social Security and for veterans because Matt clearly said both issues are on the table. He's even indicated that he would be ready to to end end the Veterans Administration. Let me ask you, Frank, and then I'll follow up and ask you the same question, Rick. Um, DeSantis, are you hearing from the people you talk to out in the community that – He's just doing great work, or or are you hearing that he's a blowhard and poser, or somewhere well, in between? It's, it's those Rick Rick touched on this a while ago. Those that just aren't following it, all the only thing they're following is Fox News. Then they're for they're for DeSantis. If they're listening to any other, if they're communicating with their friends and neighbors out in the in the communities, then then they know that Ron DeSantis hadn't done anything for North Florida. I mean, he's sure he, he gave $138 million to, to Bay County to rebuild after Hurricane uh, Mike, Michael. But, my God, he's four years late on that. So, yeah, they're proud to have it. But where were you four years ago, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, he mm-hmm. wasn't in office when Michael came, came, on, came through the neighborhood. But he, he certainly has been the last three years. Uh, so they're glad to get it. But. He's, he's no hero across the board in the Republican side either. Good. Good to hear. Rick, um, now, granted, DeSantis is pretty far from your current digs, but uh, are you hearing him as a viable Republican alternative when it comes for 2024? Um, the only thing that you hear about DeSatan here <laughs> is uh, that that. That's who they're going to vote for because it's obvious it's not going to be Trump. Um, outside of that, you know, we had to deal with Rick Scott when I was there in Florida. And and guy is like Rick Scott on steroids. Uh, you know, you got to remember when he ran for office, he had his little baby wearing uh, a, a MAGA bib and, and baby size hat and all that stuff. Um, this guy is just the worst for Florida, let alone if he was to run for president. So don't be just, you know, don't be duped. 
don't find one little thing that he did that was good. And, oh, well, you know, we can tolerate it. <laughs> it's just not true. It's just right. not true. The country will not survive a, the Satan uh, president. And, Agreed. you know, agree. Yeah. Let, let me ask you what to me is the, the real terrible uh, big old boot hanging out there. Uh, you know, we're hearing again and again more of these uh, candidates on the Republican side saying, well, I'll believe it's a legitimate election when I get elected and anything else doesn't go. Um, do you think we're going to be facing that again on a national level? I'm sure. Of it. I mean, they've already passed laws giving giving the uh, the state level legislature the opportunity to disavow elections. That terrifies me. Absolutely. Frank, any thoughts on that, sir? Yeah, I just uh, yes, I, I agree with what Rick said. Rick said um, state governments across the country. I mean, you have almost a few in 19 states that go after whatever Trump is pushing. And since Trump lost the last time, it's been a push across the board, just like uh, uh, banning banning uh, uh, abortions uh, is modifying uh, their state statutes that allow the state to, to do just what Rick was talking about, to disavow an election and, uh, and disqualify electors. It so seems to me... War go ahead. The gun. Oh, just a little comment. That's the civil war without the gun. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the the fact that there seems to be no uh, legal pursuit of so many of these uh, uh, election deniers, uh, insurrectionists, or however you want to characterize them, people who fought against the constitutional process, flawed, weak as it is, uh, these were people who stood against the national government, against the national election. And I'm afraid that if they feel they can get away with it last time, they will have no hesitancy whatsoever to doing the same thing again. Well, how many of them right now are, are facing re-election in November that were involved yeah. in and, and, and aren't charged yet? Right. So that that's gonna that's gonna be a a big blow to democracy is if nobody is charged and these people get to go ahead and and run their elections and are reelected, then how difficult is it gonna be to prosecute somebody that that their constituents just reelected? That's gonna make it extremely uphill. I mean, a, a real steep uphill battle. Do you think? Now let me ask you. This is this is pretty thin ice out here. Do you think? That if Republicans take the House, uh, there is any chance for any continued further prosecution, or, or will they just gut the Justice Department until they find the the right leadership that's uh, agreeable? I think I think they'll end the investigation. They'll end the prosecution if they take the House, and that's their goal: is to shut this this January sixth committee down and um, and absolve everybody, and then hope they can get somebody in the White House that will uh, um, uh, give them a pass on it. Yeah, I mean, imagine... Saying the truth. Yeah. Say that again, when, Say that again uh, Rick. What was it? I'm saying that, that, that you, Frank, that, that you are saying the truth. 
It's sad okay. but true. It's sad but true. Yes, it is. You know, Gannon getting four months. Uh, <laughs> what, what are they going to do? Give, uh, uh, you know, these guys uh, a vacation. I mean, my goodness, uh, how how onerous, uh, you know. And uh, I keep thinking about that quote from Roger Stone. Look, let's just get to the violence, you know. <laughs> Let's just, just want throw this bleed. crap out and get to the violence. That's where we want to go. Um, I think he spoke for a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah. He's, he's playing the role on the, of, of the general on the big white horse sitting on the hillside um, yelling at his troops or, or his commanders uh, to send the troops into the, into the grinder and uh, let's get it going on while, while he's out of, out of gunshot. Yeah, yeah, always. Um, To try to end on a positive note, uh, of all the good things, and there has been an amazing number of good things that Joe Biden's done, which ones do you think have really rung the bell in terms of making some decent impact? We'll leave how effectively the Democrats are presenting it aside for a second. Which of Joe Biden's recent actions do you think are going to register on on the field? Let me go to you first, Rick. Well, um, you said recent, uh, but I just like to remind people of what he was able to do as vice president, even uh, for um, same-sex marriages. But most recently, and it takes time till you can actually see it. But there's the infrastructure. Uh, that that uh, that bill that has passed it just it takes time for these work projects even if they're shovel ready it takes time sure. for them to sure. get started uh, which is why he is places where they're rebuilding a bridge and boasting about that and he's going mm-hmm. and talking to veterans and saying how important the work that he's doing for veterans is because the Republicans certainly are not. They say they're for veterans. They say they're for police. But their actions tell a very different story. And that's the thing for us to remember and to try to impress on uh, people from the other team in an effort to try to, to tamper their anger and try to get them to open their eyes, even if it's just a little bit, because that little bit will build upon and build upon until their eyes are open. Thank you. Hopefully. Frank, what do you think, buddy? Which, which of the Biden really good deeds will, will get the traction we need? I, I think resurrecting the uh, student loan debt that's going to energize the students, the college students, uh, current ones, and, and those that are still paying off debts, that's going to energize the, the, the young vote uh, that we have to have to win. Those that usually or easily uh, processed and then don't go to the but don't, don't go to the poll. Here we are uh, two plus weeks out from the election, almost three weeks now and, um, and he brings this back into the news media. So I think that is, uh, is, a, uh, is a genius stroke right there uh, for bringing out the youth vote. Frank makes a very good point there. Uh, and there are two other areas that I, that, that really, uh, are making an impact on the younger voter. Uh, one is 
uh, is forgiveness of uh, marijuana-related um, right. possession charges. Right. Um, exactly. Another, exactly. An, another exactly. is uh, uh, the very strong attempt that he is making at doing away with a lot of college debt, and it's a, it's a it's a short-term battle that hopefully we will be able to win. Uh, of course, the Republicans are trying their best to block that, but those right. two issues right there are going to are also uh, going to drive out the younger vote. Well, gentlemen, sure. I want to thank for you sure. so much for joining me on this tribute to Janine Moloff uh, show. Uh, to give our our good progressive Democrat listeners uh, uh, one more good boot, uh, let me ask you both to give your final thought for how important this next election is. Mr. Mr. Day, please, you first. I'd, I'd say this next election is going to be a make or break in the United States and democracy. Um, you cannot stay home. You have to get out and vote. You have to talk to your neighbors to get them to understand how important it is. If they want to see democracy as they've seen it in the past, and maybe even the chance of bringing up our greatest generation again, that time of, of middle class strength that we had in the in the in the fifties and sixties and seventies, then we have got to get out and vote and vote a democratic ticket. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate you coming on in such short notice. And Mr. Newhoff, my friend, your final thoughts, your your last message to the to the audience out there. Uh, remind your veteran friends what why it is so important that they vote because regardless of the party they're in and who to vote for that's actually going to help veterans and the same thing with people that are are uh, uh, involved with public school because that will all be done away with it will all be privatized if things go the wrong way, you just won't recognize the country anymore. And I don't mean to sound like I'm overstating it. Oh, you're but not. You can't, you can't overstate this enough. The rights, the, the human rights that would be taken away from each and every one of us, it's just maybe moving to Portland, Oregon from Florida isn't far enough. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, don't want to live in an America like that. I don't want to live in uh, the United States of Putin. I don't want that. I, and you got to make people understand why that is not in their best interest. If they're As for my... Ukraine, they are against Putin, and they need to be aware of that because there's a lot of Republicans that say they are for Ukraine. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, as my other guest, uh, Wendy Lynn Lee, Professor Wendy Lynn Lee mentioned, she said she's going to end up, if the Republicans win, as no no human being at all, merely chattel. And I'm going to give the very last word to Brother John Lennon, who said, a working class hero is something to be. Thanks, gentlemen. See you next time. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Soon as you're born, 
that make you feel small By giving you no time instead of it all Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be They hurt you at home and they hit you at school They hate you if you're clever and they despise a fool Till you're so fucking crazy you can't follow the rules A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be When they're tortured and scared you for twenty odd years Then they expect you to pick a career When you can't really function you're so full of fear A working class hero is something to be Working class hero is something to be Keep you doped with religion and sex and TV Think you're so clever and classless and free But you're still fucking peasants as far as I can see Working class hero is something to be Working class hero is something to be There's room at the top they are telling you still But first you must learn how to smile when you kill want to be like the folks on the hill A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be If you want to be a hero well just follow me If you want to be a hero, well, just follow me. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining in. Uh, thank you, Janine, for all the hard work you do. Uh, this one's for you, hon. Uh, you take care. Have a good night. Get rested up. And we'll see everybody next week. And uh, with any luck at all, Janine will be back, and she'll deliver that incredibly good show she had planned for you on uh, Senator Rick Scott and that bogus Social Security plan. So stay tuned. Let her know that you love the show, and you take care out there. 
This is Rick Spizak, producer emeritus and uh, temporary acting host tonight. Take care, friends. Bye-bye.